Today's episode is brought to you by Pale Horse Media Co. Head on over to www.palehorsemedia.co for more of your favorite shows, books, and merch. I have two brand new releases for you over at Pale Horse Media Co. The first one, In His Name, My First Dive Into Fiction. It is just a fun, cool thriller if you're into that kind of sort of thing. And and we have the second expanded edition of the original, of the OG Safety Sucks, the bullshit and the safety profession they don't tell you about. I go through, I expand on some thoughts, add some bonus material, reflect on some of the chapters. So if either of those sound like things you should be interested in, again head over to www.palehorsemedia.co CO or find them on your Amazon marketplace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your support of the books of the podcast of the merch store of everything. It truly means the world to us. This, this, this show is brought to you by safety FM. The hop nerd podcast is brought to you by hop University. Head on over to hopuniversity.org. That's hopuniversity.org for all things safety better. We offer on-demand human and organizational performance training, one-on-one coaching for safety professionals. We also come to you doing all things HOP-related as far as HOP training, operational learning, learning teams, everything in between. Again, head over to HOP University for all things safety better. Speaking of safety better, the Hop Nerd Podcast is brought to you by my first book, Safety Sucks, the bullshit and the safety profession they don't tell you about. You can head over, pick up a copy at Amazon. You can find the audiobook on Audible, iTunes, anywhere else that you find audiobooks. There's also a Kindle version, some ebook versions, pretty much any format that you like to read or listen, it is available. You can head over to safetysucks.net for more information. Hello! Howdy! Hi, everybody! Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, bringing you another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast. How are you doing today? I hope you are doing great. I'm doing awesome. <laughs> That's all I can say. I am doing absolutely amazing. And each and every one of you out there, you're, you're a huge part of that. Thank you so much for everything that you do to continue to support us here at the Hot Nerd Podcast and helping us on our mission uh, to make the world a better place to work. You rock. That's all I can say. You guys and gals out there, everyone out there, you just blow my mind every single day. So let me start here and say that today is, is a little odd, right? Most of you are probably going, WTF say, I want... Ian Allison part two. Now you put an episode in between them. Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to, right? I had to, uh, I thought that it was really important to throw in that episode, uh, this last episode on pride month, right? While it was still pride month, <laughs> I thought that that might make sense. So unfortunately I had to space these episodes out a little bit. Sorry, not sorry, really, <laughs> but sorry, I guess, for all my OCD fam out there. <laughs> it messed with my head, too. But here it is, finally, part two of my conversation with the awesome and the amazing Ian Allison. Let's get this thing done. And some of the ways that I've seen them kind of applied, I really like to think of them. I know the highway example is probably overused. We're safety guys. We have to talk about cars at some point. Right. Right. It's kind of part of that. When we run out of stuff to talk about, we just talk about driving safely. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, <laughs> you know, when you have that procedure that has all that room, right, you have some lanes in there to adapt, right? You can kind of figure stuff out on your own. And here's some really high-level stuff that you should probably pay attention to. But you can get a little creative and you can figure stuff out. And here are some rumble strips that kind of tell you when you're starting to get a little bit too far out. And maybe here are some more robust controls on the outside like guardrails, you know, that if you do get a little too far out and you adapt maybe a little too hard to the left or to the right, mm-hmm. you know, we still have something there that might be able to catch you beyond a rule, right? Maybe a more more of a robust style of control or something, um, you know, based on the procedure that we're talking about, especially if it's something that's a little bit more, uh, more intense. Um, but, you know, you have all that room kind of in between. You have all that kind of room to actually come up with some stuff and figure out stuff. And I think that's cool because you allow kind of those experts to figure that stuff out, to adapt, to experiment, right, to figure out how things can work best rather than us because there's some there's some general assumptions that we make, right, um, when we when we come up with the procedure, uh, and I think one of the really one of the really big flawed ones is, is that when we come up with the procedure, we assume that there's only one right way to do things or one best way to do things, and that's just not true, right? Mm-hmm. That's just not a true statement. It might be the best in our opinions when we write it, <laughs> but it's probably not, right? It's probably not going to be the one right even, way or the even one with, best way to do even things. with that, especially when it comes to vocational. Uh, I shouldn't even say corner into that. Ultimately, most of these jobs that we're putting these procedures together for, they're a craft. Mm -hmm. You know, something that I've seen a lot is even when a design is put in place and people have like, well, over time, we've got to a point where we realized the designs are not met or received well by the the front line because they're like, who the hell designed this? So what we did was we got a foreman. Uh, that that you know does that type of work, and we got them in the room during the design process, so they could have the input, so they could have you know the uh, the know how in the room, so they could bring that perspective. So when we push these designs down to the front line, they can see like, hey, this is coming from one of you guys. This has had your input, and still they're just like, what idiot did this? You know, and that foreman <laughs> right, might be right. sitting there in that room. It's just like <laughs> I is the person that did that. But really, it's it's because ultimately it's a craft. And you need to have that wiggle room for people to exercise that craft and to be, you know, you can't put them in a box and say, hey, those, you know, that journeyman education and we're, you know, the amount of money that we pay you, we're paying you to think within that box. And really you gave them a vast toolbox of knowledge and utilizing their creativity and ability to collaborate on the fly and come up with solutions. You kind of take that away from them and procedures, unfortunately, do that when you add Mm -hmm. too many. Yeah. you know, it's a story I always hear every place I've worked. It always started with either like a card or a small like laminated book. And that thing just grows yeah. and grows to the point where it it almost is like an act of legislation just to get an, a line item changed on it. And uh, you can't even carry it around in your lapel pocket anymore. You can't no. even carry it in your back pocket anymore. That thing's grown to the point where it just sits in the bottom drawer of your toolbox. And you kind of just swap it out until the, right. the new version gets printed. Right. Well, and I can even think of that, man. I mean, look, uh, we're, we're no different, right? Safety people are no different, right? I mean, you really think about it. You have that kind of ma- that, that, that gargantuan rule book that you're used to in any, any organization. Again, any safety pro out there listening, um, you know exactly what I'm talking about because most organizations still have those as we try mm-hmm. to cl- declutter some of this crap. Uh, but how many times have even, how many times do we even open it, right? I don't. Who cares? I mean, I'm it's, sorry, but I don't it's, care. It's so funny when people, <laughs> when 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 frontline people come to me and that said rule book is placed on my table, mm-hmm. and they're like, "I have a question about this," 
And the first thing I do is go to the table of contents. I'm like, all right, where would that be? Or I go to the index. And you're like, you tell me a safety guy doesn't know this thing inside and out. And I'm just like, hey, man, that, that should tell you the value of it. If, yeah. if I'm not – if I'm supposed to be the gatekeeper of this document and I don't even know my way around it, yeah. how do I expect a frontline employee to be the one that's like, hey, I know every single line and responsibility I have out of this book? Right. And But, you know, that's the way that most organizations approach that, right? Mm-hmm. They, they really think that employees – should we even tell them that you should study this you should read this and understand this and most organizations will even say you're going to sign a piece of paper in it that says you've read and understand mm-hmm. this entire book right and then and then really what we use it as is we just go back and excavate through that post event and match up human error with with rule violation and go yeah. oh here's here's where you you this is why this yeah. happened keyword why yeah. this is this is why this happened is because you missed this on page because, 106 because if what you we you would have read on page 106 this this magic rule would have stopped this from happening imagine this you teachings know? of buddha book is the is right. the rule book safety rule book it's like we envision them reading like thou shalt not stick my hand in that right, hole right. and they're like well right. i don't really agree <laughs> with that and then they stick their hand in that hole it's like we kind of envision that they did that thing it's just like they might have not even known that rule was in there to begin with well that's where i'm going at so i just I, because you picked up the uh, picked up the teachings of Buddha, I had to pick up the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and uh, of course, this is this is about the size of probably most organizations' books, and that's why I picked it up. And it is five hundred and twenty-five pages long. And they used so, to be—they started out this size at some point, right? And you could fit it in a little pillow pocket, you know, even though it's kind of, unfortunately that's that's what we do. And I, yeah. I, I I've seen so many people. Um, it's so hard because you, you as a safety person, think you're doing the right thing. You're pushing, you're pushing this. It feels like act of legislation sometimes to get these rule changes. And even when it comes from a good place, you're like, hey, this OSHA rule change came down. This revision came out, and this is how it's going to affect our workplace. Yeah. And we feel like we crafted in it in a way that's not going to affect your life too much, and we're going to make reduce the amount of impact to your day to day. And they're like, I didn't even know that rule was there to begin with. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and I think it's, it's so hard to have so many rules that people don't even know where they are that, that they have to stop work, not because they don't know how to proceed, but because they don't know if they're covered. Right. And I think that's a terrible position to put your your people that you pay, you know, in, in, in some occupations, the most amount hourly. You pay these people the most amount of money on an hourly basis, and you are crippling them because they don't know how to proceed out of fear. Right. Out of, out of fear of being um, rebuked for not following those yeah. rules. Well, and then knowing that we're going to go back and dig through and flip through and find that rule on page 107 that they didn't even know existed, mm-hmm. right, and say, well, see, look, it says clearly here that you should have had a lid on your coffee in the stairwell. And at the, It clearly says and at, that. At the same time, <laughs> We tell those people, we stand in front of that same group, and it's like, we're a learning organization. Yeah. We want to know everything that happens out there. Nothing's going to happen. We're not going to do anything with it. <laughs> if anything, you might get a prize. You might get an Amazon gift card yeah. because we're promoting these leading indicators. We're trying to be a progressive organization mm-hmm. and go down that road of leading indicators. And these people just see more rules. Um, you know, I'm kind of imposing that upon their thought process. I don't know if that's necessarily yeah. true, but you can't have this – you know, learning organization kind of uh, speeches and rally the troops messages while 
throwing the rule book at them mm-hmm. and and having them be crippled by, am I covered or not? Well, I think it's really it's it's really wacky because you bring up a really good point. I mean, you go through, and most organizations spend um, an astronomical amount of money to find the best and the brightest people to hire for their organizations, right? And we go through and we find them, and then often after we find them, whether whether tradesmen or in, in the you know professional set, whatever, right? No matter what they hire for, um, and then we usually take that and we invest lots of time into them to to train them and give them more skill. Usually after we bring them in, and then so all those years of experience that we're paying for, all that education that we're paying for, uh, all of those critical thinking skills that we're paying for, all that training and all the special stuff that we've given them that we're saying here's all this great stuff and then we put them on a job and say yeah don't think for yourself here's a procedure yeah <laughs> right? well, yeah you, you you hobble your prized horses right right you know, you're, you're no off. no need to think no need mm-hmm. to use any of that stuff that we're paying for we know best <laughs> here's the rules just follow the rules and everything will be okay yeah right i think i think that's a little uh you know to be devil's advocate i mm-hmm. think it's it's easy to see how organizations get there. Yeah, well, because for sure. because yeah. you you you're profitable, you're doing well, mm-hmm. you think this is a good path, and you've had a point where, over the course of your timeline in your uh, the life cycle of your company, you started with really really high OSHA recordables. You started right. with really high numbers of first aids fatalities, and over the things that you've implemented over the over time, you've implemented certain measures. <laughs> and to them, you're like these measures got us to where we are right here. So clearly, they were effective. Right. And now we've plateaued. We need to find something or plateaued. Um, uh, but now we need to find something to take us to the next level. And it's always that. It's just like right. there is no next level. It's not a it's not a video game. It's not. It's right. not a life. It, it's not a life cycle. It's like this is this is constantly happening every single day, right. whether or not you're measuring it or recording it. Right. You need to understand that. Um, but I think you, what to, what you can do is have a trusting organization where your people mm-hmm. come to you and tell you the things that potentially may hurt them, that they're concerned about, that they're confused about, that they want because it's it's best for them. You know, giving that message of. I want you to come home the same way that you showed up five, you know, 10 fingers, 10 toes and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they, they know that. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they're not coming to work to get hurt. No, no one comes to work. Like I'm going to get hurt today. I'm going to break that one rule today. Right. You know, they're they're If anything, in, in some of these organizations, they're just thinking like, how do I not get in trouble? Yeah. Which is the last place you want right. their mind to be. Right. Exactly. Well, Exactly. You know, so much of, of that conversation, we even kind of touched on that as they kind of bring this stuff, you know, they walk in with that rule book to you and say, hey, explain this to me. It's not even from a point of saying, I don't want to get hurt. It's saying, I don't want to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. It's exactly where it comes from. It's saying, well, look at this rule and make sure that I'm in compliance with this rule. So at the end of the day, I don't get in trouble. I don't get fired. Something bad doesn't happen to me. And they're really not even from from the something bad happening. They're not concerned with physical injury usually. They're just concerned with, I just want to make sure that uh, you know when somebody walks by, this <laughs> looks good, yeah. right? I just want to make sure that I don't you know I don't I don't get in a bind you know when somebody else what's, sees this. What's, what's hard for me is um, there was there was a point in my career when I was at your site actually mm-hmm. I had a kick where I sat down with the plant manager and I was like, people need to know why these rules are in place. Yeah. And not the because you're going to get in trouble. It's like people need to know the whys so maybe that when they're walking out there, they can understand mm-hmm. like, hey, 
this isn't just there just to be there. Like the, there's thought process. I mean, that whole you know the OSHA uh, mantra of you know these rules are written in blood. Just like there's there's an incident or a series of incidents that occurred mm-hmm. that resulted in serious injury or fat- fatality or multiple fatalities that resulted in this particular rule being here. And I want to tell you why this particular rule is in here. You know, mm-hmm. reference that event or reference the thought process. Try to get people to relate to how that particular thought process manifested that text sure. onto paper. Yeah. And then it works for the serious stuff, like right. the, like what we're talking about, those 10 things right. of like, this is why when you're working at height, you need to be, um, you know, have some kind of means of fall protection. And you're like, right. great. So why do we have to wear gloves 100%? And you're like, you're, you're kind of like yeah. rally the troops message goes out yeah. the window because you don't have a good argument for that. Well, it, you, you, you don't, you don't, you don't right. have a leg to stand on because you know yeah. it's not founded by anything related to risk. Absolutely not. I mean, it's it's really back to that point of of, of sticking with what's important. I think that's mm-hmm. that's really really an important thing is focusing and using what's important because at the end of the day, yeah, right. I mean, you're going why, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I catch myself asking asking that question all the time, right? And I'm going, that's dumb. Why? Right, and if I'm questioning it, <laughs> you know the people that actually do real stuff. You know what's going? Hard? That's dumb. Right. What's hard <laughs> too is when you try to push the the message of like we're a learning organization. We're not doing this mm-hmm. to get you in trouble. We're doing this to try to make our culture better and promote a learning organization. Right. And you always have that one guy in the back of the room who's like, "Well, I got in trouble for doing this, for saying this back, mm-hmm. back, way back when." Um, it's real hard when that actually did occur, you know, and it's for not sure, it's yeah. not sensationalized. Like mm-hmm. when when you realize what you're up against when you get those kind of comments, you're like, Man, we as an organization really need to stay, take a step back and think about where we are. Just because similar peer organizations are pushing this kind of message and say that they've seen success doesn't necessarily mean right. we need to do that. I think that's why that safety professional needs to be that individual that has their finger on the pulse mm-hmm. of the organization. And really that's kind of what we should be is that liaison between the front line, between the organization, between all levels of the organization and being able to communicate and say, all right, let's break down barriers. Let's set people up for success. Right. Um, however that looks and you just be an advocate for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, be advocate for management on down front line on up. And I think that's the best thing that we can be. And I think in a, in a perfect world, we are subject matter experts in a way that we know how to find resources. We know how to find an answer. But unfortunately, in most of my interactions, like I said, with with Frontline, it's not like, hey, Mr. CSP, give me this determination on this particular um, hazardous, potentially hazardous situation. It's, you know, are you reading it the same way I'm reading it? Mm -hmm. You know, am I covered? Well, exactly. It's that. It's, it's, am I covered? Am I going to get in trouble? And that's a really... (laughs) It's just frustrating, right? And it kind of gets back to that point, you know, to continue to beat up on the rules, and I'll, I'll get off the rules in just a second, but we have so many rules in most organizations that if rules were going to stop us from killing people, we would have stopped freaking killing people already, mm-hmm. right? Because we've got rules that cover everything, right? So continuing to rule people to death has not lowered fatalities. But it, it feels hasn't, good. Right? It feels good. It feels like the right thing to do, and it's nice and easy, 
right? Because we go, and you know, most most incident investigation uh, methodologies drive us to that point, anyways, right? Any root cause you do, ninety seven percent of the time is going to end up in SPAC, right? There's a procedure that didn't exist, or there's a procedure that was flawed, or someone didn't use the procedure. That's almost one hundred percent of root cause analysis, right? It's going to almost always end up well SPAC. Right? You know what? You know what I really like doing is using the root cause analysis template like mm-hmm. the form and i would just i would just do whatever yeah you know and just you, you know like you know the taproot tree is supposed to go here right. whatever I'll, I'll i'll add a i'll add a fishbone graph there, there i'll add go. a fishbone graph <laughs> right. there right. you know and they're like well this is where the root causes go and i'm like i won't even reference all the cause mm-hmm. codes you know i'll put down what i think happened you know this is the organizational yeah. weakness this here is uh, latent organizational weakness. This is because nobody follows the procedures because they don't believe in them. Yeah. And this is, and you know what's funny is when you do that, no one tells you ever of like, hey, you didn't follow the template. Right. You didn't. You didn't put right. the cause codes in there. Right. You know, it starts a genuine conversation. So yeah. I think having some anarchy in a controlled fashion mm-hmm. is important. Absolutely. I think I think finding those points to like slip in your message yeah. as much as yeah, possible, yeah. Um, because I've never gotten pushback for saying things that have deviated from the process. Yeah. Um, I'm just presenting the message that I feel it should be presented. Unfortunately, I have to use their kind of, you know, uh, picture frame. Right. But I'm going to paint the picture that I think that needs to be is that, hey, the guys the, the guys and gals out there, the people out there that actually do the work, they don't know the procedure because they don't believe in it. You know? Right. And they, 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 they see it it's as like a so... way to govern themselves, and that's yeah. it. And not, not even govern themselves. They see it as a way to be controlled and – some people will live by that, mm-hmm. and others were just like pish posh. That that yeah. that's been there for however long. I've worked here for twenty years. I'm fine, so I'm gonna keep doing right. what I'm doing. Right. I think you know I had on Mark Alston not too long ago, and Mark is just a, just a world of knowledge. Um, he runs or uh, his his uh, his businesses investigations differently, and he kind of goes down that path. We we went down this this path of of talking about ICAM and and root cause and kind of all this garbage that's the only thing that i <laughs> people know my feelings i'll say garbage pretty quickly and so much of that is is it lacks exactly where you're talking about trying to go right it's getting into the context mm-hmm. it's getting into the context and getting into the normal work that's surrounded whatever you're looking at right and so often we're just looking at the event itself right we're looking at, at how this particular event transpired when all the learning is actually back into the context so at any time even if you're using that stuff and that's kind of kind of to, to kind of share what you're saying there pro tip right is even if you're stuck in a world of root cause analysis even if you're stuck in a world of ICAM, even if you're stuck in a world of sologic root cause analysis or whatever whatever you're using um, you can still find a way to insert that context into those situations. You still need to examine the context that surrounded the event. You need to, and I think that the most encouraging thing that you can do is almost do two reports. Yeah. Because that's that's ultimately what I did as like a cover, mm-hmm. and I didn't thankfully have to fall back on it, um, but anecdotally, it shouldn't say anecdotally, that's the wrong word, but I had it in my back pocket, and later on that day, kind of like went and like, like the day I finished it, kind of like had some beers with a few coworkers and showed them both. Mm-hmm. And the results were drastically different. You know, one side was we need to change the procedure. Right. We need to uh, retrain. We need to coach individuals. Yeah, yeah. We need to reinforce expectations. And we need to have a method of uh, verification that they understood the message. And we need to reinforce three-way communication. 
and we need to add more bureaucracy basically is what ultimately came down to and make these people's lives more difficult and then the other side was these rules there's too many of them and these people and we didn't roll them out effectively we just kept pushing out rules and we didn't communicate effectively and we felt we were covered because we pushed out a line item on a procedure and we're like, yeah. okay. And so now you guys know, don't do this. <laughs> now now you know this is forbidden. Yeah. And uh, we felt that because it was on paper, we're good. And, you know, I think there was a lot of breakdowns that the other report showed. It's like, hey, we don't communicate effectively mm-hmm. even when we want to push something out that we feel is important. Because otherwise the people that actually do the work that are supposed to be following these rules, they had no idea that this even existed. Right. You know, and then the one procedure that they need to be following, um, you know, they they follow it loosely because it's like the size of, you know, it's like (laughs) it's like the size of a technical uh, technical reading. You know, it's like 30, 40, 50 pages with a bunch of appendices. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even for a safety professional, it's painful to read. What makes you think that someone who's going to be turning the wrench is going to be looking at it and thinking, man, this is some good stuff. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Right. I mean, in so many of these situations, as we kind of look at this stuff. We just totally avoid, at least most organizations of kind of traditional root cause now, so we just totally avoid the context. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter, right? And I really love the way Mark put this. He's like, any other investigation, criminal investigation, right? That's where where Mark kind of came up. He's with Australian Federal Police. I hope I'm not butchering that. Um, He he came up in that actual real investigation and stuff, you know, Um, and scientific investigation in general. Um, We would never think of doing an investigation in the scientific world and saying context doesn't matter. Right. Context matters a lot. Right. But in the safety world, we say, no, context definitely doesn't matter. It's black or white, period. Right. Right. That's the only place where we would go out and do some type of investigation and say, no, context is bullshit. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it still does. Just because we have the magic word safety, it still matters. <laughs> right. And I, I, I hadn't thought about it from that point of view until Mark had kind of laid that out. And I'm like, that is so true. You know, in everything else we do, context is super important. But safety is this kind of magical, special thing that context just does not matter to us in most organizations, especially post-event. It's black or white, right? So I thought that that was a really, really, really interesting kind of kind of take that he had there. Unfortunately, he's veiled with the, you know, that we care about you. We just want to do something prompt and quick that will prevent reoccurrence. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's just like, man, you you can put you could just sit, might as well just send everybody home stop paying people yeah. shut the doors on the business if that's what you want today and yeah. that's that's the only way you're going to get that to happen but well, i mean even even likelihood of reoccurrence right right i mean in the world that we live in nowadays right we're so good at prevention and i hate to i hate to use the overturn the overused phrase of you know the low hanging fruit is gone but it kind of sort of is Right. There's there's not many things out there. You know, it, it, it's driven a lot from kind of this this any 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 way we try to paint. It's just going to be some poor linear example of how we can try to put how events happen on paper. Right. But, you know, the Swiss cheese model, I mean, it really drives us kind of towards this. OK, we have to prevent recurrence because there's a holes that lined up. Mm-hmm. We have to prevent those holes from lining up. And how do we do that? But really, in all actuality, you know, the if you see that the, the, the better version of the Swiss cheese model where everything's moving and shifting and, and going around and then people can also just bypass the model completely and kind of all that stuff in the world that we live in nowadays, the likelihood that the stars are going to align in the perfect the, the, just the perfect fashion that we're going to have that same event repeat anyways is pretty unlikely. It's like winning the lottery unlikely, right? It's just not going to happen, right? I mean, unless it, we've just got like a meat grinder hanging out there somewhere 
somebody's going to rip their arm off it. Yeah. But most situations, right? Most situations, it's just I would venture to say that we don't have two ankle sprains that are similar, mm-hmm. right? So it's to you know we go down that path and boy, if we don't do this and fix it now, then it's going to happen again, right? And it feels it feels <laughs> really good to do something though. It feels yeah. like man, we really we really we really earned our paycheck today. Yeah. You know, we put well, that piece on the procedure. You know, we made this uh, institutional change yeah. where it's hundred percent this or hundred percent that. Feels good. And yeah, man, feels good. and when you walk around, you can see that people got their gloves on. People are always wearing hard hats. We people can see are always it. it's doing measurable, right? It's people, measurable. Yep. People yeah. put those stickers we wanted up about you know yeah. plan plan do check act whatever you know they're <laughs> everywhere. Look, we did something. But the truth is, you probably set back your organization more than anything. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I wish I wish that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, because they probably just see it as like another thing from corporate yep. or another thing that they do that, that that's disconnected from their day to day. When the truth is to get lasting change, you need to ask them what, how, what, what should we do? How did, how do we proceed? Yeah. And is there anything we can do? Um, mm-hmm. And then you kind of just as management, take that and evaluate. Yeah, You'll gladly, make decisions that are multi-million dollars but when it comes to safety we're just like you can't get hurt there's no level of risk that's acceptable right. Right. it's just like man these guys are teetering the line these guys gals people they're looking at risk head on every single day mm-hmm. they're just damn good at their job they yeah. they they know how to protect themselves yeah. but yeah. if you hobble them that's probably going to get them more more likely hurt than anything yeah because they're not going to be – it's kind of like athletes. You know, they're mm-hmm. not going to react. They're going to spend too much time thinking, yeah. and they're going to, you know, they're going to miss something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think it's – it's uh, you and I were chatting a little bit about this, you know, with some of my favorite piece from, from getting to, to chat with Sidney Decker was this. It's kind of back to that pee your pants management. We feel the need to do something. Mm-hmm. We have to do something now. And I love, I love, I love where Sydney took this though. Is that, you know, we start there with this need. Okay, I got to pee. I got to pee. I got to pee. My pants just seem like the best place to do it. I'll feel great after it's done. It's kind of this immediate release is going to feel awesome, and then quickly it's going to be followed by okay, I smell like piss and I'm wet. Mm-hmm. And it's awful, right? And I actually did more damage than I ever did good by pissing in my pants, right? So a lot of that message is to slow down and stop for a second, uh, and understand that you know real leaders distinguish themselves. And this is kind of where he went with that by not just rushing into these decisions and just responding, but by slowing down and being thoughtful and thinking this stuff through and understanding that, you know, maybe the answer is to not do anything sometimes. Yeah. Maybe there's not a corrective action for Completely. everything. Maybe we shouldn't try to prevent reoccurrence on everything because again, back to the point that reoccurrence isn't always a, a, something we should be focused on. Right. Again, you got a meat grinder hanging out there that people are lobbing their arms off in. then probably <laughs> you might, you might want to put a guard over that thing. How about, <laughs> but, yeah. How about know. let's, let's talk about reduced severity before yeah. likelihood of reoccurrence. Right. Exactly. You know, it's right. like, Hey, if this happens again, we don't want it to lop somebody's arm mm-hmm. off or kill somebody. Is there a, right. a way to reduce the potential right. of this or eliminate because then you go back right. to that hazard control hierarchy. You know, we go straight to elimination when it comes to reaction. Yeah. Can we eliminate it? Nope. Well, then we need to go straight to an administrative control and then we need to do PPE. Right. Well, and there's a couple of things that happen there though because I, I, I I'm with you. I think that I think that if you look at it and you go, okay, if we could get the same result or the same kind of failure from anything else out there, 
right? Again, instead of trying to focus these corrective actions to preventing this specific event, just kind of focus on general betterment or, or general reduction of severity and go, okay, is there anything else out there that could result in something similar? Or is there anything else out there that we might want to think about in this same kind of thing? And it's to this point that when you go through this kind of exercise, and this is where I really get, become a proponent for operational learning, when you kind of go through this exercise of, of doing a learning team or something similar post-event, you might not come out with these traditional corrective actions where you just okay, we know for sure this will never happen again, right? But you usually come out with making things better, right? In some form, fashion, or another, right? And it might be through reducing severity, you, or it might just may, be making the job less shitty, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, or, or it could be, I don't know, I think I, I go to severity because I, mm-hmm. I used to be all about, you know, um, likelihood and severity, right. you know, multiply those yeah. things together, there's your risk. And I used to really live by those and think that you can reduce the likelihood of reoccurrence. You can, in some instances, I think you can, but sure. going back to what you were saying, I think the organization or society has progressed to a point where even though, I think we progress to the point where the bottom is, is not as far as we think. And it goes right. back to what you're saying that that low hanging fruit, there's still going to be pockets. There's still sure. going to be organizations that are going to, yep. you know, people can point to and say like, hey, you know, they didn't have 100% gloves. They mm-hmm. reduced their OSHAs by, you know, X amount of percent and it was significant. It mattered. You know, before that, they were just kind of no PPE. They weren't following the rules. It's like, okay, those, st- those still exist. But the bottom isn't as far as it used to be. Right. And people always mention this. It's like we're still killing the same amount of people. So are we really getting better? It's yeah. like the the ass end of it. The bottom is is you know has improved for sure. Right. I think when we fall back as we uh, regress as a culture, mm-hmm. we're not going to fall back as we we could have before. But yeah. that regression, you know, that's that's all you're doing by putting all these rules in place. You're right. not allowing your right. your organization to mature and 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 take on a life of its own and find a way that makes safety engaging right yeah and and all and that's what it should be it should be an engagement tool Mm -hmm. of like how how do i make my job you know how can i do my job effectively right that's really what it should be it shouldn't because ultimately when you hear safety it's like oh Right, you know, right. It's barriers. Well, it's it's restrictions. Exactly. Well, it's even kind of what we're talking about. I've, I've heard that come out of the mouth. Safety professionals, like, oh, this, this, we designed this tool to purposely slow people down. I'm like, you know. Stop. You know, you know. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I think a lot of safety people that can, um, maybe, maybe safety people listening, something that should tell you maybe I'm on the wrong track is if you're like going guards crazy across your organization, mm-hmm. you're going um, – barriers like crazy across the organization if you call the manufacturer and you're like we actually don't make that kind of guard for that right chances are you're not the one person that has stumbled across like this one section that's like oh my gosh am i am i on to something that i have a stroke of genius am i the only person in the entire organization the entire industry that sees this risk (laughs) chances are you are probably uh over guarding you're probably right. taking a step that may may or may not be necessary um and you really need to start thinking about sure. that because the company will gladly pay or take your money Absolutely. to make a guard they'll make a guard yeah but when they start asking like oh, we don't actually make a guard for that you know can you send us a drawing because we don't we don't actually make that right now yeah. 
you should really start questioning, like, am I doing the right thing? Because I've pushed those. Yeah. I've sent POs with pictures because the over the phone, the sales rep was like, I actually don't know what you're talking about. You know, we don't we don't make a guard for that, but, um, you know, I'll send it to my engineers, and they'll, they'll, they'll draft up something. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll make something for that. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and I felt like. Glad to make, make checks payable, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I would go <laughs> run that up to management. It's just like, you know what? The manufacturers don't even, they've never even seen like this before. You know, we're yeah. really on to something. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so I had this conversation uh, just the other day for, for on a podcast was that, you know, we were talking about us, right? And what we were picking mm-hmm. on safety people. Um, and it was, it was in a, it was for a podcast for the UK and UK is very compliance based just as we are, right? Even more so than we are, I would assume. Um, but pretty compliance based, right? We're now, we have a lot of similarities with the UK and a lot of that conversation was, just, okay, once you actually like dig into some of the regs, so much of the crap that we do is not required, but shitty safety consultants, <laughs> Have, have forced it into organizations going, no, 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 this is my really conservative uh, interpretation of this standard, and it means that we have to do X, Y, Z, right? And so much that we find of this kind of clutter and well, like guarding, right? some wacky stuff there. I mean, p- pick your poison, right? And we've probably all been in that situation at some point of doing that because we want to make sure that we're protecting yeah. the organization, we're protecting people, but a lot of this is more directed towards the organization. We want to make sure that we're audit-proof, Right, we want to make sure that that's, we're. That's where I was going. Right. Is a lot of that is driven by audits. The yeah. need to audit. The need right. to say, "Am I covered?" The need yeah. to be, "Hey, am yeah. I legal? Am I compliant?" Yeah. And yeah. then you talk to the regular, and you're like, "What the hell are you doing?" Mm-hmm. That's not what we meant. <laughs> it's 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 so hard because you can bring in ten different auditors. Mm-hmm. One, they'll all focus on something different, and then even then, yeah. if they all focus on the same one different mm-hmm. thing, they're all going to interpret it differently. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's so hard to, for organizations to even trust auditors because it's just that. Like this one person will look at, um, you know, a, a, a new uh, interpretation of a standard. Like, what was I thinking of? So, like, when the, the new reg came out about, like, swing gates, mm. you know, like that was that – was there's swing gates all over the place. Those companies made millions, you know, maybe not millions, but boy, they only made I'm sure they only made hand and fist thousands of dollars <laughs> in making that. you know gates because yeah. one auditor, one regulator went and did this, and then friends started calling friends, peers started yeah. talking to each other, and you're like, man, we gotta we gotta mm-hmm. put you know safety we gotta put safety gates up everywhere. We gotta put these yeah. uh, self closing gates all over the place. Yeah. To the point where you look at buildings that have one access stair to go to the top of the building and there's a gate on there, but there's no guardrail over the entire top of the building, but there's, <laughs> there's one, one gate, gate right there. Well, yeah, there's one <laughs> self-closing gate. gate. It's like, hey, we're compliant. Just in case, just in case you step backwards in that one spot. Yeah. <laughs> then that's a stroke of luck. You, 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 you oh, potentially save your life and limb yeah. just because you stepped in that one place, but the if rest... If you don't put that gate there, you just don't care. That's, that's what you're saying. Right. You're just saying you don't care. You know, I, I think you could definitely say, well, that's just because they don't have good safety people. That's because they don't have this. It's like, hey, man, if you're in that position as a safety guy, safety gal person, we've all been there where it's just mm-hmm. you don't have a choice. Yeah. If management sees that and they're like, I don't want a repeat finding. I don't want this to go to right. my higher up. I don't want this to, you know, yeah. I don't want to have to be dinged on this again. And if if paying this twenty dollars, fifty dollars, extra, is mm-hmm. gonna cover me down the road, I'll that that's that's money well invested. 
Right. You know? well, it just gets to where it's, it's again. It's kind of back to the same thing around PPE. We overdo it, mm-hmm. right? We overdo it. We, we make it so important that it's not important anymore. Because you hear you hear right. people say that all the time. It's just like how much does a pair of gloves cost? How much does a trip to the hospital cost? I'll gladly pay that every right. day, all day. Right. They can right. take it home and use it. You know, I'm, I'm I hope they take it home and use right. it. And it's just like man, like we're we're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. But but you know what's funny is when they take it home and use it. They're, they're probably using it for something they actually need. Right, exactly. They're when, not when, just going to wear it all day. You, know? you, th- you think about it when, like, like you know, because most most employers kind of, I won't say most, but let's just say decent employers are. T- they're like, yeah, take your PPE home, right? right? I think most mostly the value in that. But it's funny because yeah, you do take it home, and then you're like, okay, I use it when I actually need it. Mm-hmm. We should apply that same same logic at work just to allow people to have some of that autonomy to make that decision of okay, this is glove worthy, this isn't. You know what? You know what's right? funny is we use the backwards logic. We're like the same thing you do at work is the same principle yeah, you should yeah, apply at yeah, home. Yeah. You need to be thinking about all the hazards when you're working right. at home because right. those hazards don't leave. You know they you they don't they don't uh, they don't leave. Yeah. Once you once right. you leave those gates, right. you know hazards are everywhere. But at the same time, we'll never say like, oh, by the way, 100 percent tie off, 100 yeah. percent gloves at home. I'm told yeah. I'm totally tied off at home when I'm standing on my kitchen table changing the light bulb above it. I promise. Yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, you, you have to have that ability to assess the situation and trust your employees because right. because you pride your chances are every organization prides themselves on their ability to hire people mm-hmm. or or the ability to hire people, bring them in and train them and get them acclimated to a standard that they feel represents their organization. But then we put those, you know. Uh, we, we hobble our mm-hmm. prized our prized horses you know we, yeah. we, we hobble our best people and you know ultimately we, we we lose those individuals um we lose them in the sense that maybe they would have become a large leader in the company maybe a higher up maybe they would have become a director vp yeah. you know superintendent but because they had so much bureaucracy around them, they were like, "I'm just going to show up, give my paycheck." Yep. You know, they're they're not engaged because their opinions not. don't matter. Yeah, of course. Or to not. them anyway, they're like, "Hey, yeah. when I when I propose these safety recommendations, when I propose these, uh, you know, improvements, what I thought were improvements, it was met with uh, animosity. It was met with, I can't do that. It was met with, there's too much red tape. Yeah. And um, you know, maybe that kills their voice, and they don't ascend to the way they do. Yeah. Or worse, they go to another company and then ascend there. And then well, the, that your company now has a rec- reputation right. of that 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 individual takes with them. Well, when, when especially when you think about those people that usually excel in those situations, right? When mm. you think about that, that that type of person, it's usually not the. If you tell that that type of person, don't don't think, just follow the rules. They're going to be like, "Up yours, I'm out of here," <laughs> right? yeah. because it's just it's usually not that type of person, right? Yeah. They they create, they adapt. That's all the kind of stuff that they've got going on. And most of our organizations hinder that, right? It's kind of back to what you're saying. We really hinder that ability for people to get creative. We hinder that ability for people to experiment and create betterment, right? That's the bad part about that. Is we're saying really when we when we confine them to this stuff and we say, no, 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 just operate inside of this box, inside of these really rigid rules. We're just saying this is good enough. Yeah, and right? say, say th- that's where we really excuse me. We really need to understand that safety is a holistic exactly. occupation. It's a holistic thing where. There's facets of organizational behavior, individual mm-hmm. psychology, workplace psychology yeah. that we need to account for. And, you know, this borders into the HR part of it, 
of like you you went through this part of like hiring these star individuals yeah. do you even look at how we treat them afterwards <laughs> afterwards and then we look at our exit interviews and we focus on like hey they said they felt like they couldn't enact change or they feel like whatever questions right. they, they have for them and then we just kind of circle back and like okay well you know All do fun. with it do with it what you will <laughs> but i think we're doing pretty good right right right, right. um there's 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 so much integration that that needs to happen mm-hmm. with uh, with safety, you know, whether it's in legal, HR, and unfortunately, you know, we we've seen this in our in our careers. We talk about it a lot. It's just like when you talk to when you talk about interfacing with HR or um, intertwining your initiatives with HR or legal or health mm-hmm. services or you know the health side of it. It's just like no, there's a barrier between you guys, mm-hmm. and it needs to stay that way. Because right. that's the way we're covered. Right. You can't go meddling. We can't risk cross contamination because yeah. we might reduce our compliance. Right. 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 Well, and it's it's a lot of that is the the fact. I think we just lose focus on the betterment aspect of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where I keep I keep having this conversation over and over and over. I had it earlier today. I had it the day before. I keep I've had it like every day for like a month now. Is that so much of where I'm going? And I kind of pigeonhole myself with kind of the whole marketing around the podcast. It is the hop nerd, right? But so much of where I find myself having this conversation is just around general betterment, right? Making the world a better place to work. How do we get there, right? How do we how do we get to the point of just making the world a better place to work? And I think you have to get into some of those places to do that, right? I think you have to kind of create some of those partnerships. And I don't think it to kind of in your to your point of being more of a holistic approach. There's so much of this stuff. Uh, I'm not picking on any any particular organizations, but most HR organizations, when you talk to them, they're like, no, 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 we're just don't, no, no, we're just here to protect the organization, right? Legal, obviously, right? <laughs> we're just here to protect the organization. There's nothing that's employee facing going. We really want to take care of you, mm-hmm. right? And I think most, uh, I mean, that's HR gets kind of that rap, you know, the human remains department, right? There's a reason <laughs> that we really love them. No, no, we're not just saying that so they won't, so the, so the you know, won't fire us. We really care. We really like them. <laughs> but it's, it's that, right? It's kind of that same point is we've got to take this, this kind of more grand scheme cultural work. You know, it's not just contained to safety. It's not just contained to any piece of the organization. It's the organization as a whole. It's kind of even back to the point of, you know, we've had that conversation, the beef around just calling out particular facets of culture, mm-hmm. right? And safety. We do that all the time. It's a magical safety culture that we have in organizations. But it's that, right? It's it's that there's going to have to be some pull together to figure this stuff out if we really want to make our workplaces a little bit better beyond just the safety aspect, right? We get too pigeonholed, I think, and we we we, we don't look at things um, in in a really holistic sense. We just say, no, no, safety, safety. You just focus on occupational hazards. HR is HR. We'll handle disciplinary and hiring. We'll we'll get you here and kick you out, right? And legal is just going to be off in la la land on legal stuff, right? And you when you see your legal call your phone, you just ignore it, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> so at some point, there's going to have to be some conversation about how we move the workplace forward, right? I mean, just all together. I think the future of that should look more integrated with those mm-hmm. with those groups. Um, I'm not saying they all f- report to one person, no. but they definitely should have some regular interaction. Right. Talking about headwinds that yeah. are coming toward the organization, current challenges, um, kind of just having almost like a summit of like here's here's the state of things, and here's yeah. here's where I think here's how I think we could um, how our collaboration um, or separation of things could really improve the organi- organization because sometimes. 
there is the need for collaboration and you feel that that could make it better but other times just like hey hr legal health health safe health services like just butt out yeah you know just let us take this because i feel like we could get more accomplished if we just run with it yeah well i think especially when you come to you and we need you yeah i think it's just but I think there's a lot there, especially once you try to go down this path of kind of kind of organizational justice in particular, right? Because I can – usually you have that employee that's had an issue, right, in the safety space. And, you know, most of the time your safety organizations are quickly excised from that conversation. It's punted to HR. HR takes that rule book that we were just talking about that's 500-some pages. They, they scour it and they find where they violated a rule. That goes on a disciplinary action letter with zero context because they broke the rule. That's all HR cares about. They clearly violated it. We mm-hmm. made our magical HR determination. You're gone, right? There's got to be something change in that process, right? Because HR has no freaking clue what they're talking about when they <laughs> – and they go through and scour the magical rule book and find the rule that somebody broke, other than the fact that somebody just broke a rule. And safety is super special, so that's definitely something that we can't apply any any context to. So I think there's something that has to happen there. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and ponder as to what that should be. I've got some ideas in and around you know, the way that we seek uh, retribution versus a more restorative approach. But something's got to change in that world. Right. And I think you have to kind of bring HR into that fold of doing things a little differently. Right. I mean, you can't be at odds with those folks. You can't be at odds with legal, especially if you're trying to create this cultural betterment in your organization or go down a different path. Uh, Most of the, and I'm, I'm picking on HR a little bit. Most of the HR folks that I know personally throughout the world, right. When I, um, when I share with them or as I've shared with them stuff around just culture or restorative justice or kind of hop or stuff, they're going, Holy crap. This would be amazing. We should totally go down that path. It's just they've never had that option in the past. Most of those folks are people-centric as we are, right? That's how they found themselves in those situations. But they find their profession kind of bastardized as ours has been into just being someone with a stick and some paper and going, you're in trouble now. Here's your paper and here's the stick, right? Well, and I think that uh, calculated risk-taking in your office environment is Mm -hmm. the best thing you can do is kind of doing like – you know, like, for example, like taking that root cause analysis scaffold and just saying, I'm going to use it as a veil, but I'm going to conduct a real investigation right. because <laughs> right. no one's going to add, right. no one's going to pry. No one is going to come and check on me and say, hey, are you doing it the way that we trained you to do it? They're just going to say, is it still going to be on my desk by this day? Is it done? <laughs> yeah, is it done? And do we have corrective actions? Mm-hmm. Um, because the thing that frustrates me most about everything is just like they just care about the results yeah. you know they they, they yeah. i it's very seldom that i've gone through an investigation where usually they're like everyone read it right all right let's go to the end let's look at the corrective <laughs> actions that's always what happens right, in every organization right, right, right. because that's what the meeting really is about is like let's talk about what we're gonna do moving forward mm-hmm. um so why why not bring some solutions to that meeting that you feel are going to be meaningful and fruitful and well either maybe not be meaningful uh, solutions or things that are actually going to change something, but maybe you could trigger some conversations that are fruitful at that level of the people that are at that table um, because you're not going to win those battles with HR and legal right. and uh, health services and your, your kind of medical side because there's a lot of legal tied up in that that mm-hmm. there's just there's – just, I think we've kind of backed ourselves into a corner based on legislation and laws that have been put in place in some areas. So. Um, I think there's going to be some maturity and some of that decluttering yeah. Yeah. that has to be 
uh, occurred before we kind of mend those yeah. and make it a more uh, cohesive relationship. But I think um, taking that concerted, you know, kind of kind of measured risk in your day to day is a good thing. Yeah. You know, instead of um, you know reporting a good catch or a close call or you know adding a adding a number to that leading indicator pile you know just yeah. go ask the people like hey mm-hmm. i observed this what do you all think you know what's your opinion and instead of reporting it you know like run that idea back up the chain yeah. because you wouldn't have got the, the thought process is we get enough leading indicators in this certain area then we have a trend and then we can go down there yeah. and then we can start attacking that trend instead of going to the person that does the job and saying, "Hey, right. you got any improvements? Well, and I, I you think got any you, way to make your life suck a little less?" <laughs> you and I had even had this conversation, I think, not too long ago, right? We we focus in or, most organizations. We get in this place to where we aggressively focus on the wrong things, right? And I think I think trending, in particular, observational data, is one of those things where we aggressively focus on the wrong things. We take some shitty bubble card or some shitty process, and we let that dictate where we spend millions of dollars, right? St- Stupid. <laughs> where else do we do that in organizations, right? Where we take where we take a system that has crappy data in, crappy data out, and we let that determine our investments in our in our organizations. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of ridiculous, right? Number one, but a big beef with that is that you take all of this stuff, like we're going out, and so much of it's not real. Some of the vast majority of it's just fluff because people have a quota to meet. People need to show that they're doing this stuff, whatever, right? However, the organization has it manifest. But we go out and we fill in all this junk and we throw it into a system. We strip it completely of context, back to context being super important. We throw it all together because some reason, for some reason, when we put all this fake information together and we get that that blip on a trend chart, that makes it super duper important. Now we have to focus on it, right? Because we had one point here and one point here and it went up just a little bit. That's a trend, <laughs> Right, and now we just people are terrible at glove use. So now we're going to mandate that people wear gloves all the time. You know what we got to do? We got to send a communication next month to let people know. Right. Hey, we noticed that that noticed uptick that. happened, and right. we we're noticed watching. that we're watching. We're putting up banners. We're going to surveil you harder. We're going to have blitzes around these observations in which people are going to mm-hmm. go out and do more. So we're going to skew the data that much more. So we're going to take the the shit data and make it more shit. Because we're going to force people to look at one particular thing, right? So it's going to get even worse, even more off kilter than it already is. And we're going to pretend like that's something that's valid. We're going to pretend that that's a real that's that. We're going to pretend that that's a valid signal from our organization that Nobody, there's something yeah. wrong. Nobody. And that's just not true, right? I think to to kind of what you were saying is that the one on one interaction. I don't care if people write it down. I don't care if people capture it and we magically trend it because it doesn't tell us anything. The magic piece is really, the, to me, that's always been important is that interaction that happens between that person and that leader, right, or whoever they're talking to and going, I've got a problem. Well, I've got a solution. Let's figure it out, right? Let's, let's, let's fix this, right? Or going out and having that observation and going, hey, guys, that was kind of wonky. What's up with that? Uh, or going out and, you know, it's, Where's where, what's the stupidest thing you have to do here every day? I think sometimes right? too we just don't get out of our own way. Yeah, where absolutely. We, where we say like, hey, that's a safety thing. You can't make that determination. You know, safety guy, get in here. Yeah. You know, guy, we don't trust. Guy, we didn't bring in the conversation into the yeah. fold to begin with. You know, the come fix this for us. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, the the safety safety pro has been tasked with something that they have no stake in. They have no no input in, and they're just doing. Yeah. And you're going to, I don't know, it, I think that's that's so hard. It's like, this this smells like safety, so let's bring the safety person in. Um, right, right, right. 
when the truth is, it's like, hey, where do we need that safety person to leverage our success to, to yeah. remove barriers if possible, yeah. um, to really yeah. be that advocate for us, to get this, to, to be that champion, to exactly. help this particular idea be manifested, mm-hmm. be put into place. You know, um, I think we, we don't do that enough. And I, I think it's such a detriment that, you know, all of the experiences that we've had as safety pros and, you know, the education that we go through, whether it's experience in the classroom, combination of both, or really just become like, hey, are you reading this the same way I'm reading it? And I think that a part of my career, I definitely lost the love for safety because it just became that, so much of that, and I just was like, it's got to be something else, yeah. you know. Now I've taken time away from safety. I I, I miss it so much, you yeah. know. Uh, and but I think a lot of it is just that burnout of like, mm-hmm. am I really actually making things better? Am I actually mm-hmm. coming to work and doing something? Because all I've done this past week is interpretations of the rules that I don't I don't believe in to begin with. Yeah, right. Well, it's it's so much of that, right? I think I think most safety professionals find themselves in that situation. It's a perfect recipe for burnout, mm-hmm. right? You're overworked, right? Um, I, I can't say, you know, most organizations at least are compensating safety professionals decent nowadays. Oh, for sure. Right. But it, it, you know, I grew up in the contract world to where, you know, you might work 80 hours, you might get paid for 40, right. Which is kind of common. And I get that. I mean, that's, it's a profession, right? I mean, that happens in most professions. I'm not, we're not special by any means, but you take all this kind of job stress and you take all that other kind of bullshit that's in the profession and then you couple that with the fact that you're having to preach stuff and deal with stuff that you probably don't believe in because most organizations are mired in this kind of traditional safety approach right you're hanging up a poster that says zero and you're throwing up in your mouth while you're doing it Mm -hmm. right and you're filling out some stupid stupid slide deck that's got injury data and rates and all this crap on it and you're planning a pizza party for having a year without an OSHA recordable and you put that you know you're preaching from that bible that you don't believe in right and and you couple that with all that other stuff and you're going screw this i'm taking my ball and i'm going home one one <laughs> right? one, one thing i will i will challenge safety pros to do is uh even if he can't kind of jump to another position mm-hmm. um outside of safety but just try your best to look at every organization and ask them where the suck is in their job. You know, you like to say that, Sam. Yeah, yep. Ask them where the suck is in their yeah. job. And I'm positive if you did just a poll of, like, every department, a few people, you know, I mean, if you have massive organizations, it won't be quick. But um, there's probably a common thread yeah. of cultural barriers. Eh, that's the wrong way to say it. There's just barriers that are put up that the culture has just found a way to work around. Mm-hmm. And it's not just president safety. No. You know, we mentioned the procurement thing before. So, like, if there's a path of least resistance, however right. I need to do my job, right. you know, I'm going to find the way to do it easiest. Right. And um, you may or may not know about it if yeah. there's a rule around it. And and that well, happens all over right. the organization. And it's not absolutely, just safety. Absolutely. And that's usually those things where you're going to find it's going to be a battle for you. Right. When you find those, let's just say that because none of this stuff, none of this path to betterment, it sounds awesome, but none of it's easy. Let's, 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 let's throw that out there right at the gate. When you find that suck, when you find that deeply embedded suck in organizations, it's usually those things where the organization is going, well, that's so simple. They just need to do it. Right. That's usually the organizational answer, right? That's usually the answer from, from down through the organization is going, I don't care. (laughs) 
<laughs> because it's easy. They only have to send that receipt to six people. It's not that many. They have plenty of time, right? Not and those folks. We're paying you by the hour. Right, what are you complaining those about? Those folks totally not understanding all the stuff mm-hmm. that's going on in that person's life, obviously, right? All this other kind of stuff that's happening. Um, but when you find it, it's usually those situations, right? The organization's usually sticking its head in the sand going, we get that it's broke, but it's our broke system, <laughs> right? We get that it doesn't, that it's not, not working and people aren't using it the way that they're supposed to, but they're, but they should be. I've worked, I've, I've worked for a few companies where I've, I've, I've seen that where there's kind of like procedures are just there Mm -hmm. and, but they're hours. Yeah. (laughs) They're hours. Well, and, and I think it's more troublesome when everybody knows that the procedures are there and they don't follow them. Right. And everyone knows that everyone knows they don't follow them, but they do follow them. If you're asked about it, yeah. they're like, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah I know well, where it's, it is. It's, it's, I've read it. It's kind of back to that thing. It's like, like, do you want learning or, you know, or, or do you just want this kind of fluff kind of made up stuff? Mm-hmm. Right. It's, 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 I had this conversation about learning teams just the other day, you know, we were talking about that and, you know, you, before you build that environment in which honesty is possible, you can throw people in a room to do a learning team. And if you just kind of throw out the tools without doing all the groundwork or laying all the groundwork and working on all the assumptions and working on the reactions of the organization and building that honest environment you throw people in a room and say okay show me where the suck is nothing sucks here nothing's bad here all the rules that that exist in the organization we follow to a t there's nothing wrong we're all in compliance everything's perfect right and it's kind of that same thing where it's going uh, no really no 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 everything's fine Every, everything's perfectly fine well, if you, if you, <laughs> don't look here if you put the superintendent or the vice president in front of everyone and you try to have a learning team that's what you're going to get right you know but if you have uh, if it's employee led and you're mm-hmm. just kind of a fly on the wall, you'll hear all kinds of crap. It's amazing, and it's man. not gonna, it's not gonna stop at safety. No. It's gonna go to every facet of their job because we can't right. fool ourselves that yes, because it manifests in something physical mm-hmm. and real to us, and it could result in human life. But we kind of place more importance on like, hey, we need, right. we need to, we need to do something. We need to do it today, and it needs to be, it needs to hurt. Because it hurt me to see that happen. Yeah. And I don't want anyone to see anyone get hurt again. Yeah. And in other instances, it's like, man, you're, you're probably bleeding money at the seams in other locations where the individuals are just working around it. Right. You know? And right. and unfortunately, you probably have, don't even have a pulse on what your employees actually do on a day-to-day no. because they're no. probably holding this ship together with just duct tape and right. willpower, and you're right. thinking, man, our procedures are working. We got well, a good, we got a good organizational down, right? foundation. They're looking down through the organization, going, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's fine. Uh, you know, we asked for X, Y, Z. We got X, Y, Z. Who cares how we got it, <laughs> right? And, and when all in all actuality, they probably really do care how they got it, but they just don't see it, right? They're looking down, and, and just everything looks fine, right? You know, so. you know how I know that the in in my life that the procedures don't work when someone tells me when somebody re- finally recites the procedure or tries to follow it it makes my, it always makes my life worse yeah i'm never like oh good somebody read it right i'm never like oh man <laughs> right. I, I didn't i didn't read it that way it's just like crap they read you know they're following it the way it's supposed to because some sometimes you can actually go like all right let's change the procedure to make it work the, actually the way that the mm-hmm. world it works and the way that we actually carry out the work um and there are other times when you just can't do that because no. what you're suggesting is so drastically different from how the work actually gets done yeah. uh, or how it's written down, I should say, that we can't suggest that. Yeah. And you yeah. just kind of have to know in the back of your head, like, 
right, yep. how are we gonna? How am I gonna defuse that bomb? You know, yeah. down the road. Well, and so much of that again, I keep coming back to this point of just just creating environments in which honesty is possible, where we can talk about that stuff. It's kind of what we're talking about with the suck, right? You have to create an environment in which people can tell you about the suck, mm-hmm. right? If you just just start asking people about the suck, they're going to give you that normal answer that's like, no, no, everything's fine. And because it, because mm-hmm. they probably come up in that environment to where they they probably said it at some point and you know squeaky that's, squeaky wheel gets the grease and they got the grease. That's why I'm so right? excited for you to talk to that organizational you know behavior uh, professor. I think you said from Australia. All the the organizational psychologists. Organizational psychologists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be yep. great because I think he's going to have so many parallels to. Yep. Other facets of organizations so, outside of safety—that's going to be real yeah, insightful. I can I can tell you that that we so I, I hung out uh, with him just the other day. We recorded, and it was uh, phenomenal. It was phenomenal. So everyone be be looking out for that episode. It's with Clive Lloyd, um, and that's so much of what Clive jumps into is is organizational trust. How do you create environments of trust? Right? How do you, it's? We talked a lot about psychological safety. We talked about how you kind of focus on those environments. Um, excellent, excellent conversation. I'm excited to have him back on again. I mean, he's just, um, I, I literally titled it Learning from Clive <laughs> because it's just, it's just such a, it's just so full of just great insight into those pieces because all of this starts in that place, right? All of this starts in the ability for us to be honest, right? If we can't be honest, nothing else happens, right? Learning is shut down at that point. If we, if we don't have an environment in which honesty is possible, I keep saying that because I've, I've been trying to, I've been strategically, there's my corporate word of the day, mm. strategically <laughs> avoiding the word trust, because I don't know. I don't know if I can trust an organization. I'm just thinking from my own personal place, right? Do I trust an employer? No, <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. Right. I, I just don't. Right. I mean, we're all one signature away from losing their paychecks. Right. So I don't really trust an employer. Do I trust my bank? Not really. Do I trust the car dealership? Not really. Right. So do I trust a corporation? No, not really. Right. So I don't know if this whole like conversation, I don't mean to go off on a side rant, but I don't know if this whole conversation about like creating trust or asking for trust from an organization is really effective. I think it's more of it, the actionable piece. And it's that, right? For me, the actionable piece is creating an environment in which people can be honest, right? Could trust be a byproduct of that? Probably, maybe. You know, some people might feel trust. Maybe I'm just distrusting of organizations. I think, I think but, that uh, trust is a little uh, – it's definitely loaded. Mm-hmm. But I think where you're going is good in the, in the sense that we want to trust the organization to the degree that if I bring up something to you, you're going to mm-hmm. do something about it, and it's go- you're going to be one. It's going to be heard, yeah. And you're going to do something about it. Yeah. Nothing might like, like maybe not even expecting action, but just like I know that because I gave mm-hmm. it to you, and you, I view you as a person that can do right. something with this information, right. that it's not just going to be lost in in you know lost in in the mess of things like mm-hmm. you're actually going to try to run it up the chain and do something with it, or you're going to mull it over, mm-hmm. give it some thought and you're going to get, come back to me with some feedback. I think that's, uh, yeah. that's what we can strive for. I think that's something to hope for because if that is something that is instilled in the employees, they're going to come back again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so much and of that, that's, and that's what you want. Repeat customers. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. that's what you want. So much of that still kind of comes back to those general principles of psychological safety, right? The ability to throw that stuff out there 
without, you know, knowing that I'm, there's not going to be negative repercussions to me, for me, right? Mm-hmm. And I can, I can throw out this maybe wacky or wonky opinion, or I can, I can dissent, or I can push back, or I can call this BS, or I can tell you about an event, or I can share anything with you, and knowing that, you know, when I stick my neck out, you're not going to chop off my head, mm-hmm. right? I can throw that stuff out there, and that, that's where a lot of the conversation. That's, there, there, there's, that's where a lot of the conversation went with Clive, wasn't around that stuff. We st- I, I, just a, here's here's a little bit of a spoiler alert. Right out of the gate, we kind of started talking about behavior based safety. Uh, I can't remember the name of the article, but you can go look it up. Um, I have a question: Is it a spoiler if that episode comes out before this one? Uh, yeah, no. But so, so some okay. of this, some so, <laughs> no, so, some of this will be out before okay. then. So at least in some of the, it won't be out on a pod, but it'll be out on some of the other channels cool. before then. But the 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 thing there was is that uh, it's I, I don't want to give too much away. If any of you out there, most of most of my listeners probably tune in with a lot of Clive stuff too. But I think that the article's name was um, "Behavior Based Safety Doesn't Work." Your people aren't rats. Stop treating them like rats. So oh, in, case, wow. in, case, in case you're in case you're wondering, kind of I think Clive's thoughts are very similar to ours and around here. And if you here. don't know Clive, that pretty much summed <laughs> up his thought process. That was right? my first question. So Clive, if you're listening, I, I know you follow <laughs> some of this stuff. <laughs> I love you. You're you're awesome. I love your stuff. I love I love reading Clive's articles. Um, and there should be some more articles I think coming out from him pretty soon. Just excellent. So I would encourage folks uh, uh, if you're listening to this before. After whenever, if you don't follow along with Clive Lloyd, you should. He's got some amazing stuff. But yeah, that conversation was phenomenal. And there's so much conversation in and around that 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 creating honest environments. Because mm-hmm. what you want, right, is when you go and you have that learning team and you go show me the suck or you go, you know, show me where your life is harder than it should be. Show me what's the dumbest thing you have to do to work here every day. Right? What's the stupidest thing you have to do every single day of the week that you shouldn't have to do? Right. What is it? Right. Because everybody can I can close my eyes. and think of those those things. Right. We can all do that. Right. That's the stuff we should focus on. It's back to creating general betterment is, is what we should really be focused on. Um, but when you start addressing that stuff and you start working on that, people are eventually going to see that. OK, I can say stuff. Right. You go and you eventually end, this, end up in the situation where you're in a learning team for something that maybe is not so bad. And you finally built that bridge with somebody, and they go, "Oh, you think this is bad? Let me show you where I almost died last week." Yeah, you know, right? you know what's interesting is uh, I think I've talked about this last time I was on here, but mm-hmm. same thing I've seen in my kind of career shift is just following that same line of thinking of like, "Where does your job suck?" Yeah, and just getting them to like trust you enough to like just talk about it, yeah, and then to show that like, "Hey, I went and did something about that. This is the feedback I got." Um, what do you think? And they're like, oh, well, here, here's another thing. And mm-hmm. it's not safety related, right. but it Im- impacts the bottom line or impacts the amount of time we spend on something. Yeah. Um, and usually it's the, it's so funny. In the same way that you get uh, the eyebrows raised when you tell management how work is really done in the safety space, you get the same eyebrows when you tell them, like, hey, this is how we really get stuff approved and yeah. delivered. And, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, this is how, like, material disposition actually gets carried out. And they're mm-hmm. just like, what? Well, and I, th- I think a really good example of kind of kind of forcing some of this stuff to the surface, we, st- we started there and so we can kind of end there, I guess, is kind of in this weird, wacky place that we found ourselves in over the past several months, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen that, you know, our systems cr- just crumbled, Right around us, most organizations' systems just crumbled around them. You know, you talk to people and like, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I was out wandering around from store to store to store just buying crap and totally circumventing the process of how we normally order stuff in these organizations because we just had to get stuff, right? These systems just don't work when you have the, when the, when the world is happening, right? Um, so it's really interesting to see, you know, that, that, you know, there's, all these all these processes, especially now, it seems like as we as we're coming out of the apocalypse, right? I think we really have to think about what really works and what doesn't. What's just bubble gum and duct tapes together and propped up, or the stuff that we're pretending like has been working for a long time that hasn't? Because I think some of this has exposed that, right? I think some of this kind of stress on the system, the strain on the system, has really exposed some of these situations. I mean, you just think about it. You, again, kind of close your eyes and imagine if you're driving, don't do that. <laughs> but you can just think of all these systems in your own organizations out there where as soon as we had a little bit of friction in the system from and COVID-19 is a little more than a little, I get that. But it's been the first real big off normal thing that's happened in a while, right? And then all of a sudden everything just collapses, right? Most organizations just had massive collapses of the way that they do business, Right from the way that they procure things to the way that safety functions in their organizations to their, their stock of PPE to this, that, or the other, to the way they process people into their sites or their locations and to their warehouses and to all this different stuff, right? Everything just crumbled, right? So as we kind of go into the future, we have to really think about, okay, what's working and what's not? What have we, what's, what's been out there that we've just been pretending has been working so for you, a very yeah, long time? You could, you could make the argument so I will I will clarify what I'm about to say with <laughs> you know it's going to be you're good not going to you're not going to have a procedure <laughs> for what's happening right now absolutely not no no but in all of this day to day the organizations that are still up and running you know when you were responding to COVID I'm positive at no point did someone say what does the procedure say right you know right. and yeah. nobody cared what they said yeah. they're like hey we have a goal and we're achieving it and that's all that matters yeah. Exactly. No, and and there's not going to be a root cause analysis. Like no mm-hmm. one's going to look back and say, "Hey, this is how we deviated." You know, the blue line, black line. No one's going to do that. That analysis <sighs> after this is over, they're just we, like, "Hey, we made it." We you to- know, we totally missed our respirator medical uh, qualifications. Some people were over a year. Yeah. Damn it, we didn't let them wear respirators because we were in compliance. They all got COVID. We didn't. Was- we didn't use the procurement <laughs> process. Um, but you know what? Well, while it's not COVID on the day to day for our employees. They do have crises every day. Absolutely. And they do have crises. Maybe not every day, but, mm-hmm. you know, big stuff does happen. Yeah. Emergent work does happen. And they fall, They don't follow processes. No. You right. know, like right. they're, they're not going to stop and say, like, how do You're I address exactly right. this yeah. critical uh, concern uh, in compliance with the procedure? They just do. Mm-hmm. And, and on the unfortunate occasion that someone's watching them just do, and we ding them on the head for not following the procedure – we lost them. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's really been interesting about so much of this is we've we've seen folks that the 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 A word that everyone hates, the most traditional organizations organizations hate adaptability, right? It was forced. Right? We were organizations were forced to move into this adaptive space that we've been talking about for a very long time, not being risk adverse but being risk adaptive. Right, they were forced into this space. We pretended like people don't adapt for a very long time, right? Most of these more traditional-based organizations pretend like, well, this just the rules are followed. That's why things are going well. People have been following the rules. That's why nothing bad has happened. Nope, people are just really good at adapting and figuring things out, and they get it right more often than they get it wrong, right? So I think again, I think there's a lesson there in and around how we adapt it, right? And mm-hmm. it's to your to your point. Um, 
I like to think that the, some of the silver lining coming out of this thing is that we're we're getting to see some of these stupid rules are floating to the surface, and we're getting to say, okay, these are kind of dumb. You know, uh, is this is really necessary that we do this every six months? Is this really necessary that we do this every single? You know, is I think something that's really interesting that might be floating to the surface, like how lean is too lean in organizations? At what point does do you, does lean become loss of of of, of resilience? Right. At which point do we do more harm than good trying to pursue this lean path that most organizations mm-hmm. have been on for, for a very long time? Um, I think that's going to be an interesting conversation as we kind of come out of this space. Um, but I think there's a lot of there's a lot of learning there as we move out. And it's way beyond just COVID. Right. I think I think the fact of dealing with the pandemic is kind of on its own thing. But there's so much stuff that we're going to be able to learn in the adaptability world. There's so much stuff that we're going to be able to learn around the stupidity of rules <laughs> world. Right. At least the dumb ones. Right. I would I would assume I'm not that at least from what I've seen, the rules that are really important are the rules that we really kept. The rules that were really important to us, the, the, the stuff that keeps us alive when shit hits the fan, those are the rules we held on to. The ones that don't matter, we forgot about really fast when, we, when, when, we, when shit actually hit the fan. When we look back, yeah. that's what we should be focusing on. It's mm-hmm. like, what tenets do we really hold on to? Yeah. Let's hold on to those in the future, and let's really evaluate whether or not we need everything else. Yeah, yeah. And truly strip it away if we don't need it. Exactly. Not Yeah, exactly. <laughs> struggle with that it's back to what we always say man yeah. it's 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 you can always add to but you can never take away yeah <laughs> right? yeah whittle that thing down man trim that to. bonsai tree it's you struggling. got to man I've, i see i see organizations I, I spend time talking to folks in organizations that are going through decluttering and it's not easy mm-hmm. that that's the first thing they'll tell you it's not easy but they'll also tell you that oh god it's worth you know the juice is worth the squeeze because once you get on the other side of that i mean people see that and they're like oh but yeah, that's exactly, exactly. So, I think it's uh, really primed up for that. Two things. Um, mm-hmm. One, I had, had a great time, Sam. Thank yeah, you for, for having sure. me on again. Yeah, yeah. And then the other is we really need to find a way to commit to starting earlier. Because yeah. it's almost midnight again. <laughs> we do this every this, time. This, we always we always choose we to do like, this hey. every mm-hmm. time, right? Ten, yeah, ten o'clock yeah. seems like a good time to start. Yeah, let's do yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then I, well, we were we were kind of like uh, we were off on again, off again a little bit, and then you know we 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 kind of happened, and then we were pretty close to our normal time that we had kind of shot for to begin we with. And uh, yeah, but we do this every single time, every single time. Yeah, so you, uh, so I'll, I'll throw this out there too. Uh, I think you're the record holder for being the most uh, on the podcast the most. Dr. J. Allen now is the record holder for the longest podcast. Oh wow! Uh, so uh, I think the I think before that it was you and Nate. Oh, you, nice. Nate, and I together when we were doing that last one. The last time you were on, that was the longest one for a while until uh, until Jay and I sat around and talked for three and a half hours. Oh my god! The other night on, on on kind of this whole That's Zoom thing here, yeah. And we both kind of uh, we we're both kind of like, holy shit, it's been like three and a half hours. <laughs> 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 but no, man, thank you so much for coming on. But before we uh, before we go, I have to ask you the famous final question: Is do you have any last words? Anything else that you would want to share with uh, the hot nerds, the safety practitioners out there? Any pro tips? Any, any go dos for them that they can go out and work on? I would say what I mentioned earlier: go, go, be curious about mm-hmm. non-safety stuff, and ask people outside that don't aren't impacted by the traditional view of safety on the day to day. The frontline workers. Like when you think of safety, the people that have the highest risk don't 
on the day-to-day yeah. like go ask someone from procurement from hr from just be curious yeah and ask sam's question what sucks about your day the most yeah. what 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 hinders your ability to do your job and i think you'll be shocked you write those things down mm. there's going to be a common cultural thread there and that's something you can run up to management that's yeah. when you'll start to get you you have the eyebrows raised of different people in the room because frankly when it comes to safety there are certain people in those kind of large management meetings that are impacted and then everyone else kind of tunes out until it's their turn on the yeah. slide deck but if you go and you say hey everyone in this room i've heard from every single person in your department this thing this thing this thing yeah. and this is the common cultural thread this shows that in an organization we need to improve in this way or we need to start mm-hmm. asking questions differently or we need to start stripping away this kind of stuff and um, that's how you really impact that organizational change. Yeah, I love that because that's a message that's so important, especially to safety folks, is be curious. 100%. For God's sakes, be curious. Uh, if you're to the point of not being curious anymore, I don't know what to tell you. Go do something else <laughs> because you got to be curious. you got to stay curious. And I love that point that you're making about that common cultural thread because if you can go into those meetings and, and show that, right, if you can go share that and go, even it's just this, if you can just paint the picture of stupid, mm-hmm. right, you go, look at how dumb this is. People's eyes just go, oh, my God, I didn't realize it was that dumb, <laughs> right? Or you, you show that, that thread that you're just talking about. I think And it's, all of it's a so sudden, important. that money that they were talking about that wasn't there when it only impacted safety, mm-hmm. all of a sudden gets yeah. freed up because now it's an organizational thing. What is that? Is that one efficient? Yeah. <laughs> Six receipts to who? <laughs> well, thanks again, man. I appreciate you coming on. Well, uh, thanks a lot, we'll have to We'll have to keep up your, your, your reoccurring guest slot here because, again, you don't want others to pull ahead of you. We'll have to do this again soon. This is, this is great, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, Love man. the studio. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. See ya. Well, that is that. Another one in the books with Ian. I just got to say, Ian is one of my most favorite people uh, on this entire planet. He is just awesome. I love getting to have conversations with him. And this one was super duper special because Ian was the first, the first ever guest in person at the Hop Nerd studios. So how cool is that? And I look forward to bringing you more in-person guests as uh, we continue to move into normal life. It's getting there, right? And again, we're we're located here in the middle of Phoenix. We're in downtown Phoenix, Arizona. That's where our Hot Nerd Studio is. So huge hub and people traveling through. And I'm talking to some really cool folks uh, that we hope to get here in person at some point. And again, to continue to bring you live streams of the Hot Nerd Podcast. So that's what I've got planned. Until next time, it is Sam Goodman, the Hot Nerd, signing off. <sighs> bye, everybody. Bye.